Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Tuesday, July 16th, and we have got our All-ACC team for you. Not just your All-ACC team, but we're focusing on names, people. What are the best names in the conference? It's going to be a fun little fun little conversation. We're really focused on the offense today. Next week, we're going to bring you the defense. Uh, we've also got some uh, ACC and Hokey news updates for you that we have been uh, avoiding over the past few days. But uh, first off, Tim, what's happening? Oh, you know, I'm just hanging out here waiting to do a podcast with my good buddy, Justin, who at 9 o'clock p.m. told me he was going to get on shortly to do our podcast. 9 p.m. Eastern. And here we are. For the what? By, by the way. 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes. Yeah. And here we are at 10 13 p.m eastern yeah. finally firing this up so everyone welcome justin welcome. to the podcast yeah, thank you Woo! <laughs> glad to be here baby i'm in arkansas just whoop big suey oh man one of the greatest states i would imagine uh in the contingent 48 probably not um and woo pig indeed yeah probably not the ozarks really isn't doing a lot for marketing uh for that state i will say um you know i'm getting i'm recovering from a weekend in which i uh, had a friday night uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives marathon, where I did nothing but watch Guy Fieri refuse to eat eggs for six hours. Eggs and peanut and, butter, um, I think, are his two like no goes. Yeah, but you know the thing is, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I've never been on the Guy Fieri hate train. Sure, he looks like the basis for a Smash Mouth cover band. I get Guy that. looks like a bro I would love to hang out with. I've always thought that I would really enjoy getting to hang out with him, so I'm not sure why we've all of a sudden, as a society, probably decided loves that he's White Claw. Bad by the way. Probably loves White Claw. Yeah. Look, it matches his beard. And he's got the soul patch. I mean, he looks disgusting. But besides that, he seems like a really friendly guy to hang out with. Yeah. I don't know. We as a society, I think, have decided collectively. I don't know who actually makes this decision. But it seems like everybody jumps on these hype, tra- hype trains of hate every now and then. Nickelback. Nickelback was a cool band. And then all of a sudden, they weren't a cool band. And I don't know what happened there. Creed. Creed. Creed Scott was Stapp never was the cool voice of an angel. Creed voice was never of an cool. angel. An angel. Listen, listen Justin. to me, Tim. And now Tim. all of a sudden we dislike Tim. Creed. It's like I don't get Tim. these memos. I need to be put on a list serve Tim. somewhere because I'm left behind. Now we hate Guy Fieri. Tim. The only thing he wants to do is punch your one way ticket to Flavortown, and I'm getting tired listen. of deciding that we hate people. Listen, Fired just up. I just want this on the record. Creed never cool. Always cool. No. Still cool. No. That's just... Ugh. Cooler than the other side of the pillow, baby. Continue. Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> I'm watching this marathon, and I see him wrestling with folks, trying to make sure he doesn't eat eggs, and apparently peanut butter, you said. Um, and I tried to pick apart Guy Fieri, because you know what? I'm like, you know, I'm going to try to get on this hate train here. I'm going to try to figure out why people don't like Guy Fieri. Yeah. See... Guy, you can you, you're either the Guy Fieri guy, or you pronounce it like he does, which is Guy Fieri. There's no place for hate like in this world. Let me put that. No, not for him, and not, certainly not for a guy that bleaches his uh, soul patch. No. Anyway, I just wanted to rant on that. I like Guy Fieri. I'm a Guy Fieri fan. If you don't like it, at me on Twitter. So Tim, I'm I'm in the uh, as we mentioned the great state of Arkansas, and great state. So I go to the go to the rental car facility today, and this happens to me. Every time I rent a car, I swear to God, I just, I can never remember this as I pull out of the rental car parking lot is to get yourself engaged with the switches and the controls that you are now (laughs) functioning with in your car. 
And I, I always have that like, oh, my God, I don't know what's happening in the vehicle that I'm operating. Like the <laughs> second I pull out, okay? And it's especially terrifying at night because you don't realize that your lights aren't on because the lights are so bright <laughs> inside the garage until you pull out. And you're like, I can't even see six inches in front of me. How can right. the person like, like that's right behind me that looks like they're about to collide with my back end, how do they even see me? Oh, wait, they don't. Right. Okay? Right. I Man, just, funny I, you that. I'm like, I'm like a, a child that won't listen. I just cannot remember to just take five minutes, not even five, I'll, I'll take, take a minute, take 60 seconds, understand where your windshield wipers are, which today was pitiful, <laughs> p- pivotal, because it was raining. Right. Uh, understand how your lights work, where they're located, or is it a dial on your, you know, steering wheel gauges? Is it like some kind of like button on the dash? Like, I don't know. All the cars are different today. By the way, I was driving a Jeep Compass. Nowhere to put your cell phone for directional purposes. Infuriated. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Have you ever had, like, I literally would not buy a car if... I didn't have anywhere to put my cell phone to look at Google Maps to tell me how to get home. Because you know why, Tim? I live in Chicago. I need to look at the directions every single day when I leave work so I can understand what's the fastest and most efficient way to get home and or not have to go through the bad neighborhoods of Chicago, (laughs) to put it correctly. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Well done. It's, uh, Um, It's infuriating. That sounds stressful. You know, that, that would be the responsible thing to do would be to adjust your mirrors, um, take a deep breath, make sure your lumbar support is right before you head out in your rental car. But I never do it. And it's always the freak rainstorm that completely messes up your day. And I don't know what it is, but when I'm in a panic, I cannot figure out how to turn a damn car's lights on. I never know if the lights are on the auto on situation, which my my car. And you're talking about I your bought, car. Like yeah, your since I bought vehicle. my car. I have never turned on the lights in my car because they're automatic. I couldn't tell you how to turn the freaking lights on in my own car. God, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because I have no idea what the light, the light dial switches mean in my car. I don't know if they're on. I don't know if they're off. I just assume they're on automatically. Right. Right. And until I get pulled over or until somebody like tells me to turn my lights on. I'll tell you the story. When I first moved to Chicago, I had three people within two months of each other roll down their windows and start like directing their conversation at me. I don't know if they were talking to me. I don't know if they were pissed. I don't know <laughs> what was happening to them. But... Me, personally, I was terrified because I was driving through the interstate on the west side. And in Chicago, that happens to be a very dangerous thing. People get shot randomly on the west side of Chicago on the interstate, okay, which should be defined as a safe haven. I had people rolling down their windows, just like waving their hands at me. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I know my lights are on because I can see them. What have I done to upset you? Please don't harm me and or my family. So did you did you just leave the window rolled up in that situation? Oh, I didn't make eye contact, Tim. I saw this happen out of the peripheral. <laughs> you got that you got the peripheral hanging. I understand. Yeah. 
look, that that's safe. Yeah, that's safe. I appreciate your safety. And if any, I, um, if I can't anybody, say that I've, I've run into that. Yeah. Well, come to Chicago. It was horrifying. Great hot dogs, strange people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you know, outside of the rental car and or Chicago issues, we've got a. Uh, a little fun show for you today. Nothing uh, too intense. We did have an interview fall through, so we were going to initially talk about NC State football. We had James Henderson lined up with Inside Pack Sports. We're still trying to get him. We still think we're going to be able to, but uh, we're going to have to hit delay on that uh, that episode for a little bit. Uh, but first, Tim, speaking of NC State, you know, last week... They had some sanctions come against their basketball program regarding Dennis Smith Jr. Level 1 sanctions? Why don't you go ahead and tell us what that means? So Level 1 is the highest level of infraction, and there were two Level 1 sanctions. Um, And I don't know if sanctions is the correct term, but let's call it that for all intents and purposes. And then they received two Level 2 sanctions, and I think the proper term is infractions. So two Level 1 infractions, two Level 2 infractions. They were dealing around a potential, although not proven, cash payment to Dennis Smith Jr., which it's big-time college basketball. I'm sure he was paid, just like every top recruit is paid to go to your favorite university. I know that's going to shock some people, but it happens. Um, So Dennis Smith Jr., uh, we don't know the the whole details, but the story is that uh, Mark Gottfried instructed Orlando early uh, to give some cash to one of Dennis Smith's handlers, uh, around those the the range of forty thousand um, dollars. Now, the way that these infractions were worded, it almost seemed like they were issuing the infractions to Mark Gottfried, one, and to Orlando Early, another. Orlando Early was an assistant coach under Mark it Gottfried. Definitely felt like a Gottfried infraction. Right, and so to me, it read more like a Gottfried infraction than something something that was directed toward NC State. Um, the level two infractions were for uh, free parking passes, free tickets given to uh, some of uh, you know Dennis Smith's handlers. Um, that actually could be a problem for NC State, and that is something that NC State should have definitely handled better. Uh, they, they have a, a compliance. Well, someone at compliance least they didn't the cheat on classes, Tim. Well, that's what I'm getting at. So people that there's half a group of NC State fans that seem to think that they are going to get hammered by the NCAA because of what happened with Jim Valvano and all the self-imposed sanctions of the early 90s and what was essentially the death of NC State basketball as everyone knew it. Um, There's half that that still feel the sting from that or maybe are a little scared about that. There's the other half that say, okay, we did what everybody else is doing in college basketball. I mean, that's all but proven. Um, If if Dennis Smith is going to command $40,000, imagine what, you know, Aiton at Arizona was commanding. Besides that, you have a school down the road, about 15 miles, 30 miles, um, 30 minutes, 15 miles, that had been cheating systematically for 30 years, um, keeping athletes eligible that shouldn't have been eligible through fake classes that didn't exist. I mean, that is the penultimate example of cheating and corruption in modern college sports, and they didn't get punished at all. Well, Tim, let me ask you, is the uh, president of the NCAA an alum of your university? You know, that's funny that you would say that. Hmm. He is an alum of uh, UNC. That's weird. I never drew that connection before, Justin. Oh, fascinating. But but you know what else is weird? I don't Is the commissioner of the ACC, uh, did he go to an ACC university, John Swafford? 
Uh, there seemed... Oh, God. If, if I could pinpoint one, I would have to think that it had a bluish color. Yeah, yeah, it would. And it, so, you know, it probably would be really helpful to have a commissioner shielding you from the NCAA. I think it's the Tar Heels. Oh, the Tar Heels. Oh, the Tar Heels. so they have the ACC commissioner and mm-hmm. also the president of the NCAA as an alum of their university. Sure. And since they were caught with this cheating scandal that took place over basically 15 years, nothing mm-hmm. happened. Right. Okay. Right. I just wanted weird. to clear I'm, that up. Okay. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you know, I'm sure yeah. everything was above How board. dare us? Yeah, how dare us. But yeah. I will say I this. where that's coming from. Um, if uh, th- these, this is going to be the first in many uh, letters of, it's too late for me right now to think uh, properly, but a notice, of, it's the first of many of notice of allegations that are going to go out to teams like Arizona, Kansas, um, LSU, guys that have really gotten implicated in this most recent round of scandals. So if in the NCAAs, maybe your beta test is with a school who maybe didn't do as much, um, all the stuff that I've read on this doesn't seem very strong considering Mark Godfrey is gone from NC State. Orlando Early is gone from NC State. Debbie Yao, the athletic director, is gone from NC State. The head of compliance that would have checked these ticket lists is working for Duke now. Um, it seems to me that if you were to punish any NC State program, uh, that would be a little unfair given how much has changed. Oh, they're going to be punished. Um, they're going to be punished, and hopefully Probably the uh, death for penalty. NC State. <laughs> knowing NC State's luck, it's going to be the death penalty. However... Um, Knowing what happened, knowing what occurred, seeing what happened down the street with no punishment, it seems it would be hard for me to believe that the NCAA would have the balls to punish NC State for this after letting oh, UNC please. off the hook. I know. Oh. Look, it just I have, <laughs> I have faith in the fact that they don't want this bad uh, press going going out towards them because it would be the ultimate hypocritical move. Um, because because you're only punishing. NC State players and NC State uh, fans that had nothing to do with this scandal because everybody that had a hand in it's gone now. And I, I use the term scandal lightly. This is happening everywhere. This me, is not a scandal. Let me tell you, Tim. This is not a scandal. The, NC State is the best thing that's ever happened in the NCAA. And I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> you know why? And maybe you're not going to like this. But I think you know where I'm going. They're, they're not North Carolina. They're not Duke. They're not UCLA. They're not the big moneymaker program that they love to defend. And so NC State is a school that, you know, got that that national championship in the 80s under Jimmy V. But outside of that... Got got one in the 70s. They've been solid since. Since that last championship is what I'm getting at. Mm Mm-hmm. But are they a premier yeah. program in college basketball? No. No. And no, their days of being a blue blood. They're, they're a gone. very solid program. I, I would put them up against a uh, Virginia Tech from a football standpoint. Better mm-hmm. from a basketball standpoint, better from a baseball standpoint, probably more on the lines of a North Carolina, a Clemson, a Virginia from a baseball standpoint. Mm-hmm. But not one of your, for lack of a better term, this got me in trouble at the Sweet 16. A Walmart fan standpoint. No. Okay. I agree. It's just not a program where people are going to go into Walmart and buy the hat because they're an NC State fan. No. 
And That's those correct. are the programs that the NCAA loves to come down on. And they're going to come mm-hmm. down on them because they love to make an example of them. Now, the NCAA has made an absolute joke of themselves over the last few years. And everybody that forgot about the UNC scandal, because I can't honestly pinpoint the year that that started happening, but it was a long time ago. And right. nothing happened. It The investigation nope. happened over two, two and a half years. And then basically they were like, yeah, no, we're good. No sanctions are going to be handed down. If you hand it down on the football program, big whoop. Hand those down on the basketball program. Rashad McCants was the basketball player on the national championship team in 2005 that decided that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to speak out for whatever reason because I don't, I don't know if we ever found out why he decided to come forward with those allegations. But one way or the other, nothing happened in North Carolina. And it was systematic cheating. It wasn't just a one-off incident, and nothing happened. You know why? Because people in powerful positions had connections to the university. And unfortunately for NC State's sake, that's just not the case right now. Unless there's people high up on the board that I'm not aware of, and which could be the case because I'm not going to pretend like I know everybody that's on the board of the NCAA or the ACC and what school they went to. I'm not pretending like I know that information. But my guess is they're not the ones in charge. So they're going to be made an example of. Right. And and you may be right. Part of me sees that as UNC should want this to go away just as bad as NC State wants it to go away. Because once NC State, if NC State gets punished, you are going to get a ton of media backlash uh, pointing at UNC saying, well, UNC systematically, literally set up a system intended and aiming to get it was systematic eligible there's no other way to describe it years yeah four years um unpunished and then you were going to all all of nc state's violations occurred in you know a two to one block year um and and you're going to hammer them but do nothing about unc i think unc if they're smart should want this to go away because if this can go by the night and and disappear then they won't have to deal with the media articles saying okay well if you're going to punish nc state what the hell happened with UNC? Because that, that will occur. Now, the other good thing is for NC State, the only punishments I can really see coming from this, in my mind, are going to be wins vacated. And the wins that are going to have to be vacated are from a losing season. So, big one. Well, let's hope so. Like, I, I hate to see when things that happened years and years ago affect certain teams. Now, right. if the coach is still in place... That's yeah, l- then you have an that's issue. less of an impact for me. Sean Miller. Um or Roy Williams. Hello. Will Wade. But we could go on. You know, it's uh you know, it is what it is. They It is. And and sadly, when it comes to predicting the NCA's next move, it's impossible. Yeah. No, because dude, that, they're I mean, they're telling yeah. kids taking transfers in order to be closer to your sick mom, you are five miles outside of the acceptable radius therefore we will deny your uh, immediate eligibility how dare request. you even request that as long as those bird brain decisions are being made at the ncaa then you cannot with any uh sort of conviction try and predict what their next call will be and maybe they will make an example of nc state and if they do they're going to have a whole whole can of worms opened up in regards to that unc investigation that i really don't think they want to rehash right now yeah, so uh, jumping to a different topic, uh, 
little bit of an older news, but we are catching up on some news that we have bypassed in the ACC thus far. Uh, Kendrick Norton, for those that don't remember, defensive tackle for the University of Miami, uh, was drafted in the seventh round by the Carolina Panthers. Your Carolina Panthers, Tim. There you go. Uh, he was currently a member of the Miami Dolphins and was injured in a car accident and unfortunately lost his arm. So thoughts and prayers out to Kendrick Norton. That's obviously a uh, a devastating way to you know to end your football career. But you know, hey, lucky for him, he still got he still has his life and uh, can carry on that way. But um. You know, he's a guy who he did leave early from the University of Miami, decided to take his chances at the NFL, and um, unfortunately had this uh, had this bad, bad accident. So thoughts and prayers out to him. It's uh, it's tough because you know you don't see injuries like this to to players very often, at least off the football field. Not that players no. are losing limbs on the football field, but this was a very serious football injury and uh you know hopefully he can be able to live a normal life afterwards amen uh going to some lighter news over to the virginia tech Hokies. frank beamer is back in coaching he will be hey, yo, at frank. the uh 2020 polynesian bowl there you go which is a uh basically like an all-star high school football game so uh you know we just had our interview with michael brewer and I guess he wasn't the quarterback in, in the last Virginia Tech game coached under. Right. Or I guess he was under the last Virginia Tech game, but not the last coached Frank Beamer game. So I know. Uh, we, sh- we should get Michael on here and hear his take on You know that. what? I Should we start a, Should we get Michael Brewer out there as the offensive coordinator? We should. Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely we should. Yeah. We need to send Michael to – is it taking place in Hawaii? Yes. Yes, it is. S- send MB to Hawaii. Done. Let's do it. MB, MB 12 is in Miami right now. Um, Pearson Prelude, Tim. Pearson. He is the new director of player development for Virginia Tech. Defensive side of the ball. Formerly a fourth-round pick uh, in 1999. God, that seems like a long time ago. By the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He was a uh, very good safety for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Made a couple of all-Big mm-hmm. East teams. Had an 11-year NFL career playing for the Niners, Buffalo, Washington, Jacksonville, and New Orleans, where he did become a Super Bowl champion. Uh, He had actually been coaching at Radford High School since 2012 as the defensive coordinator, and uh, now he made his way to the Hokies. So he is a uh, a newcomer to the Virginia Tech staff. I think a guy who, you know, could uh, could help the Hokies on the recruiting trail. Let's see how it plays out. But uh, what did you think about this hire? I love it. I mean, anytime you can get former Hokies into positions uh, where they have an impact on the team, I think it's a great thing. Um, he's from that era of Virginia Tech football when things started to really turn around and really ramp up uh, towards the tail end of the Mike Vick era um, and really was there for, you know, prime Beamer years, as it were. And anytime you can get that influence by proxy through guys like Pearson, I think it's a fantastic thing. And uh, you know, you, you, there's something slightly romantic about seeing guys that played for a university coming back and, and coaching as well. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I think anytime there's an NFL name around your program that is, uh, you know, helping from a coaching standpoint and actually involved with the day to day, I think that's always a uh, a big benefit for the for the program. 
and uh, yeah. something that players can really thrive off of because a lot of these players have NFL aspirations. So he's somebody who can give you a little bit of a different uh, different perspective as somebody who's been in there and had success as a Super Bowl ring. So I think it's uh, I think it's a definitely uh, a good thing for the Hokies program. Yeah, and yeah, that's one of the things I was going to mention was it's cool to get guys to Super Bowl rings around your program. Um, I know if I had one, I'd never take it off. I would literally just walk around with that thing blinging out like crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously. Try and get it off my <laughs> finger. <laughs> obviously. I would point with that finger so much and rub my chin obnoxiously all the time yeah. while I'm talking. Yeah, just look at me. You know. Look at my finger. It's a power move. So something that Tim and I just kind of, I think as we were talking about, you know, teams and uh, going through some of their rosters as we were recapping the spring, which we still have a couple of teams to uh, to recap for you. We wanted to go over or create what we're calling until we think of a better name because we're not sold on the name of this team yet. The All-ACC Names Team. So kind of a difficult thing to pin down as far as a name but what we wanted to do was just go through position by position some of the best names of those positions that you may or may not see across the ACC this year so it could be somebody who is maybe a young player or maybe even a practice squad player who who isn't getting the press but you're going to be like you know what where did Elias Lugo Fagundo come from I've heard that (laughs) name before oh the Chowder and Grits all ACC names team that's where I heard it. That's what this list is about. Has nothing to do with player ability. We might have some good players on here. We might not, but we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, that's what that's what the uh, the postseason's for, Tim. We can come back to this list, review how these guys did, and go from there. Absolutely, I think that's a great way to start. And I mean, the all ACC names team isn't so bad. It's just not necessarily very creative. Yeah, it's it's not the sexiest name out there, right? You know. So, again, until we figure that out, what we're going to do today is we're just going to break down the offense for you. Okay, so we're going to go offense. Next week we're going to do defense. And, uh, Tim, I I didn't ask you this off air, so forgive me, but are you okay to throw in a kicker today? Throw in a kicker? Yeah, kicker name. I can, yeah, I can go. I don't have them on my list, but I could go. uh, I have an idea of where I want to go for this. Okay, okay, good. All right. Well, you just you, let me tell you. It'll be like we're ordering at a restaurant, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to get the enchilada or the pizza. So I'm going to point at you and make you ooh. order first. So when we get to the kicker, you go first. Got it. Okay. So it's it's going to be one of those where it's like the waiter's like, and for you, sir, and you're like, um, exactly. Boom. And I'll start to sweat. Yeah. I hate that. You get the you get the I meat sweats that. at dinner. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those are the best kind of sweats, though. Okay. So uh, quarterback Tim, who do you got? I feel like this one's a layup, and if you don't have the same person as me, I, probably don't. I don't think you're trying very hard. I'm unhappy with this. So I like puns. Um, so I'm going to go with Jawan Pass here just because, Great. to me, anytime you can line up a position with a last name, just it's glorious. Jawan Pass, uh, he's going to get extra credit for having the name Puma or the nickname Puma because, honestly, if I could choose my nickname and force people to call me by my nickname, Puma's in the top five along with Nighthawk and Red Eagle, among others. Absolutely. Um, I mean. But uh, Puma Pass, man, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. That's my all-ACC names uh, quarterback. And where does where does this individual play, Tom? He plays Louisville. Okay, great. So my guy and, you know, your guy, Puma, was a strong consideration. But Gunner Holmberg, 
I mean, mm. God, how can you name. come up with a better name than Gunner for a quarterback? So Gunner. That's a great question. You know, Duke, redshirt freshman from Wake Forest, North Carolina. This kid, 6'3", 190, only had three snaps so far in his college career, but he was a four-star quarterback by ESPN coming out of high school. So he is the guy to kind of keep an eye on with the Duke program. He's the guy that we're going to hear compared to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning for the next three, four years as he's under David Cutcliffe at Duke. But one of my favorite things about Gunner here, Tim, his great uncle was Hall of Fame quarterback and University of Kentucky star George Blanda. Wow. Okay. A little little tidbit for you there. And George Blanda, by the way, 26 professional seasons under his belt. Whew. Plays kicker and quarterback. Eat your heart out, Brett Favre. Boom. Yeah, All right. That's nice. So, uh, I like your pick. Running back. Running back. Who do you got? So I got a guy by the name of British Brooks. Uh, plays oh, for UNC. Fantastic. Great. Tailback man. out of Gastonia, North Carolina. So the thing I like about it is that you're doing all this actual research into who these people are. And on my comment section in my notes, I have what that name reminds me of. Great. So I love it. There was there was no like let's just set the stage here. There was absolutely no criteria for this list. It was just about whatever names that we felt were fun to say and or rolled off the tongue, maybe a little bit of alliteration in there and you know, that's that's basically it. Yeah. So I don't have I don't know who his grandfather is. I don't know if he uh is related to anyone famous. However, the name British Brooks reminds me of an outlaw from the Wild West. Um, For sure. Because anytime you had a guy that was not of this country, uh, they were labeled the Dutchman or the German. Well, we got British Brooks here. And, and in my mind, that's an outlaw from the Wild West. That's why I like that name. So I feel like, Tim, once we start getting into the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, linebackers, wide receivers, maybe, we're going to start maybe running into the same names. For the Maybe. quarterback running back position, you basically got one shot, right? Right. So for running back, a name that I love. It's just, it's poetic. Keegan Hemingway. Mm. Georgia Tech. Wow. Redshirt sophomore from Boyd's, Maryland. He's only five foot six, 180 pounds, Tim. Yeah. But uh, studying mechanical engineering, hasn't played much at all so far. But, I mean, can you imagine this being like back to pass? He hands it off to Keegan Hemingway up the, up the middle. Oh, my gosh. It could be great. Yeah. I mean, it just it's, it's fun to say. It's fun to say. Yeah, it really is. There's not many words in his stanza, but he's, you know, he's out there to make a big impact. Yeah, and he, like he sounds like an author. So he's, yeah, he really he's got instant credibility. Instant street cred yeah, for sure. Exactly. So what about Maybe your street cred? So for uh, for the next position here, we did kind of a hyper position because not every school in the ACC's got a fullback. So Correct. we're gonna allow the fullback slash tight end, maybe like an H back slash hybrid type of position for this next one. And I don't know if this guy's a hybrid or not. I just know he's listed as a tight end. Uh, so I thought he would fit here, much like uh, fantasy football rules. If you got a tight end, you can stick him in the tight end FB slot. Um, and I, I picked Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame um, because that name reminded me of the jumpy guy in an organized crime family. Uh, what do you know? Who's coming in? It's Tommy Tremble. I like that name. 
It's got a nice ring to it. That's a great one. And I'll, I'll tell you, the name that I found for this initially, you know, I was running into some issues where I was pulling 2018 rosters, and until I did a right. deeper dive, I uh, ran into some issues. It's a problem. I ran into those issues but, uh, too. But Vince friend. Lococo was a guy Ooh. who was number one on my list out of Louisville, but he's not listed mm-hmm. on the 2019 roster, so I had to cut him, unfortunately. So Aww. I've got Jamari Peacock out of UVA, junior, from Uly, Florida. 5'11", 245, nice, big, powerful guy. Thick boy. What I liked about Jamari, Tim, was he finished fifth in the state in weightlifting in 2015 when he was in high school. he did. That's pretty good. So, guy likes the weight room. Big dude. He was a three-star prospect. Just has not played a whole a whole lot at uh, at UVA so far. But fullback's one of those positions, man. You're not going to get that glitz and glamour that you're going to get at, at other positions at the uh, on the roster. No, and he's shaped like a Fiat, which is nice. He is low and squatty. He is. I like it. All right, so wide receiver. Up to tight end. Or yeah, tight end. Have, Sorry, I skipped over one. Now we have the full blown tight end. Uh, for mine, I picked tight end Trey McKitty from Florida State. Great. Uh, out of Wesley Chapel, Florida. The reason I did that is because he reminds me, his name reminds me of what would be Ireland's favorite Saturday morning cartoon. Absolutely. The Adventures of Trey McKitty. Wesley Chapel. I was there last year, actually, right around this time. Very cool. Not to brag. You're bragging. It's fine. Um, so I've got a guy. Maybe you'll recognize this name, Tim. Tito Pascaloni mm. out of Boston College. I do remember that. Redshirt freshman, 6'2", 235. Paul Pascaloni, who was his father, who played Very at Penn cool. State and a longtime Syracuse football coach who, before, um, before Syracuse over the last couple of years, was the last time Syracuse was any good. But you know what was interesting about old tito i couldn't find any information on him in regards to his recruiting profile interesting i thought that was interesting as well it is it is i looked at tito tito was a very strong contender for i me. mean i just i, I love saying the name pascaloni i love saying the name tito too tito you immediately get extra credit in my mind if you're Boom. walking around with tito pascal it sounds like a it sounds like a fun drink plus it's up in boston oh, yeah I mean, give me a Tito Pascaloni, please. Shout out to Tito's Vodka, by the way. Best vodka on the market. Boom. Austin, Texas. Michael Brewer. Bang. We're a big podcast podcast now. Wide receiver, Tim, who do you got? I have uh, my first wide receiver slot is taken by Evidence Njoku from Miami out of Cedar Grove, New Jersey. I imagine. David uh, Njoku's brother. brother I assume. Yep. Dev David. Boom. Um, I would have to assume that. I've never seen the first name Evidence in my life, and it's badass. So I'm going to give him the nod, Evidence Njoku. Um, and hopefully he will be as successful as his brother at Miami when he plays everyone but the Virginia Tech Hokies. Fantastic, Tim. Now, I assume this is the part where I think we start getting into kind of the area where we start having overlap. Sure. And if you don't have the name Elias Lugo Fagundo <laughs> in your wide receiver. <laughs> I don't. Like... Tim. I'm disappointed I to don't. hear that. I mean, it's fantastic. I'm disappointed. It's really good. So this guy, don't have it. our redshirt sophomore, out of, out of the U, 
He's from Cabo Rojo, Puerto Rico. Okay. Wow, that's very authentic. Six foot, 194. This guy, if you go look at his picture, man, he looks like Hunter Renfro. And to me, that just instantly made me fall in love. I was like, oh, Hunter's back. But he's just in Elias Lugo Fagundo's, you know, body. (laughs) But, you know, this guy, he served as the practice squad member for the last two years. But played at the IMG Academy coming out of high school. You know, he, he, he's he been on the team with some success. So I maybe we'll start to see his name pop up from week to week, but that's somebody I'm looking out for. Good. Uh, next wide receiver slot, I'm assuming you've probably got the same as me in this slot because if you don't, like, you all be surprised and just assume that you didn't read it. Um, the name I'm going with is Shockey Jacques-Louis from Pitt out of Fort Myers, Florida. Shockey Jacques-Louis. I think that's just maybe the best name in all of the ACC. Um, And if his nickname isn't Shock Jock, then we have a huge problem on our hands. Um, But I think that is an extremely strong name. Maybe my favorite out of all of the players that I've picked. That's that's a good one. I don't have that one. You know who I do have, Tim? Who do you have? Jake Bobo. Oh, man, that's another good one. I mean, how do you not love the name Bobo, Tim? You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Sophomore... Duke University from Belmont, Massachusetts, 6'4", 190 pounds. Projected starter this year. You know, he's a guy with some athletic success in his background from a family perspective. I just, I love saying the name Bobo. I I, I can't hide behind it. Is he related to, to Mike Bobo by any chance? I don't believe so. Okay. I didn't, I didn't see that name in his background. Can't be many Bobos bouncing around. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, who knows? So we are off to offensive line. It now appears. Absolutely. And I'm we've got to have at least one name. Lineman. One name. Yeah, I, we will. Yeah, we will. We have to. So this one, I think, is just such an old-fashioned ass name. It sounds like a creepy old dude that lives in a neighborhood. All right, he's got the cre- he's got the creepiest house that's offset from the street, and all the neighborhood kids assume it's haunted. Um, and the offensive lineman that I'm going with, his name's Mac Cranford from Clemson. Um, so he, he's the guy that owned the haunted house in the neighborhood. That's old Mac Cranford's place. That's who I'm going with. Okay, great, great. So I don't have that one, but I do have Jack Coco. Jack Coco? Coco. Like, I need some hot cocoa. Oh, all right. Richard, sophomore, hey, Georgia Tech, John Creeks, Georgia, 6'3", 275. Special Olympics volunteer, Tim. This guy's giving like back that. to the community. Just love the name Coco. Just like Jack Coco with the pancake. I just, it's fun to say. I love it. It's fun to say. I love it. Welcome to the team, Jack. So next for me on my offensive lineman, I have a Hokie. And similar to old Mac Cranford of Clemson, I picked somebody that sounds old. Um, and I am going to go ahead and say that a throwback to British Brooks, this guy would have been the U.S. Marshal that was sent to hunt British Brooks and bring him to justice. And that's going to be Zachariah Hoyt from Salem, Virginia. Wow. Zachariah wow. Hoyt. I didn't have that one. But I, I do have two Hokies on my offensive line list. There was a lot to choose from there. Yeah, there really is. So I'll go with I'll go with another hokey, Luke Tenuta. I mean, who doesn't love oh, yeah. saying the name Tenuta? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, Tanuta is a classic and, and comes from a, uh, a big time college football family. Well, you know what I love specifically about Luke? What's He's that? He's 6'7, 285. Big boy. This guy's a monster. And he's from Western Albemarle, Virginia, and his dad went to UVA. So he said, you know what, Dad? I'm going to the real football school in the state of Virginia. Bingo. Boom. Hokey, 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 hi, Tanuta. I like it. Who's next? So for me, uh, the next player I picked is a guy that sounds like he got a name generated by FIFA 19's youth generation system. Uh, If you have a club in the manager mode of FIFA... You have created players that are given the most ridiculous European-sounding names, uh, depending on where you're scouting. And so I am going with Goran Jovanovic out of Wake Forest from Ashburn, Virginia. Great one. Um, I just think that's a solid Bosnian-ass name. Absolutely. And for any for anyone, I'm, I've not confirmed whether that's a Bosnian name. If I have anybody fact-checking my Eastern European last names... Uh, and, and just assumes that I'm assuming heritage is here by last name. I apologize. Um, feel free to write me uh, at uh, the Twitter handle Chatter and Grits. Uh, so next on my list, Tim, peace. Adieu. Mm. From Duke, redshirt freshman. I think I'm saying that last name right. It's A D D O. Adieu. That sounds right. Addo. Yeah. Peace Addo? It's either P- it's Addo, probably. Okay, but, Peace Addo. Uh, no, I think that's uh, what no I English told man. myself going into this that I was going to say, but then I saw it and I just panicked and I, I resorted back. <laughs> so let, It yeah. was a car headlight moment Peace there. Peace Addo. Like, just the first name Peace, it's like, you know, that's not oh, yeah. common. Welcome to the All-ACC Names team. Redshirt freshman, Duke, Silver Spring, Maryland, 6'6", 310. I just want to say... The smallest guy on my offensive line from a names team perspective weighs 260 pounds, and he's a, a center that I haven't gotten to yet. Those are some big boys. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you want your center nice and, you know, quick. Yeah, for sure. You want him to be able to pull when he needs to pull. Agile, and those guys. you know? Yeah, fluid. agile. Agile is what you want. So, for me, my center uh, may not be the most agile guy in the world, but he's got a hell of a good name. Um, he sounds like he's got the name of a wrestler from the late 80s to early 90s, and I absolutely love it uh, for the final pick in my All-ACC. You should, you should have one more team. offensive lineman. Oh, well, see, I missed an offensive lineman, so I'm going to have to do the quick I'll fill, I'll fill in the gap. It's okay. Just give the dead air. You throw a voice on, and I'll, I'll find an offensive lineman. However, I'm closing it out, uh, at least with the list that I've prepared, with Bo Bigelow oh, boom. out of UVA. Finally. We connect. Montclair, New Jersey. What a name. Bo Bigelow. <laughs> Whoever named Bo Bigelow, you have knocked it out of the absolute Absolutely. park. This reminds me of eating bonkers, sitting on my best friend Trey's bed, playing NES wrestling, and picking my character. Who am I going to pick? I'm picking Bo Bigelow. You know what I specifically loved about Bo, Tim, who's also my center of choice? Who's that? Uh, well, he enjoys going crabbing. That's what I, I love that's that. what I found out. So the, Bill the guy loves crabs. He's from New Jersey. He does play at UVA, which is, you know, but Bo Bigelow, I mean, could you is there a better so name? Good. No, it's so good. The more I say it, the more I'm like, you know what, that's the number one. That you can't top Bo Bigelow. It's 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 up there. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll open up our, our names list to the best name in the ACC. So we should come up with the top three of the names that we chose. 
So Absolutely. to wrap up the offensive line, since you missed a pick, <laughs> Silas Zanzi, retro sophomore, Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. It's a big dude. You know what I love about him? He's just got a big old smile on his face at all times. Six foot five, love a big smile. three fifteen. Played in ten games last year. Started his final three games at right tackle. This guy's going to be a contributor this year. And you know what? He didn't start playing football until his sophomore year in high school. Tim. Jeez, that's hard to imagine. I just love stories like that. He's like these guys are Me such too. freak athletes that. They're like, you know what? Yeah, I'll start playing that sport. Boom, they're in college at a Power 5 program. Yeah, I agree. It's unbelievable. I love it. It's unbelievable. So, as I mentioned before, you're going to have to go first on the kicker because I'm scrambling through the menu trying to decide what I'm going to eat for dinner here. Okay, so kicker, it was pretty easy for me, Tim, because whenever I see a guy named Bubba, I'm kind of a sucker for that guy. Mm, That's a good one. And his name is Bubba Baxa. University of Miami, sophomore, Pasadena, Texas. And it's not just his name that's impressive to him. It's his performance. He was the starting kicker last year. He was only 9 for 12 from the from field goal range, 45 and 46 on extra points. For college, that's pretty good. Okay? Yeah, it's, like it's it. not bad. So Bubba Baxa, remember that name. You heard it here first, maybe, unless you were watching last season and are familiar with the University of Miami kicking game, which don't get yourself, you're not. That's my pick. So I'm going to go with a guy that I looked at before and kind of already thought of a backstory on because it's easier, and I like to imagine fake backstories for these people. So this guy has the name of the unnamed, well, I say unnamed, but unknown Civil War soldier who writes a, uh, a preamble about a battle that's going to take place, and they read the excerpt on the History Channel, and he talks of uh, speaking to his wife back home, telling her of all the the horrible things he sees in the battlefield. That name is going to be B.T. Potter. That's going to close it out. B.T. Potter, kicker, Clemson, Rock Hill, South Carolina. That's a pretty good one. I like that name. Although I have to tell you, Bubba Baxa was way up on my list. Fantastic. I love it. You know, you know what I love the most is we only had one overlap name and yeah i going through this exercise i just looked through a bunch of rosters and just pulled names that i liked i didn't look at position i just pulled names and uh the position that i struggle with the most will be coming up next week with defensive back and i was expecting to have some better names to pull from there but there there i mean See, i found it, the it, defensive backs easy it was the defensive lineman for me that tripped me so up. i like i said like i expected looking through the list that i would have assumed defensive back was just loaded because right. i mean i'll go ahead and give one away storm duck i knew was going to be storm on the dust list. yeah okay. i mean he was i didn't even have to look so all i needed was three rosters. names yep. and i just assumed they were there i didn't look at position anything but what this exercise is telling me is you found some names that maybe I kind of overlooked because there were some names that I loved that you mentioned. Yep. So Same. Right back at you. There are a lot of good names in the ACC. Not only do we play killer football, we have great names. Absolutely. And that's important as the football product to uh, the overall brand. So uh, shout out Bo Bigelow. Absolutely. All right, so that is our show for today. We are Chowder and Grits. We are rapidly 
approaching football season, and the regular seasoning is approaching us very soon. Uh, you know, ACC Media Day was last week. The the official start of college football season is uh, approaching this week for some teams, next week for others. Uh, so as that uh, as that approaches us, we will be be updating you and filling you in. We do have an interview set for the SB Nation Boston College blog coming up, so we hope to have that for you Monday. Uh, but we are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hoagies football. You can find us pretty much anywhere you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Google Play Store. But, uh, Tim, why don't you tell these fine people what they can do for us? Share our posts on social media, tell your friends about our podcast, and leave us some reviews on whatever service you listen to. I was looking at our reviews the other day, and we're, we're looking pretty good. I think we got about 25 reviews, um, you know, with some written reviews as well, and that always helps. It helps uh, boost our uh, our podcast when everyone is searching, and of course, people are searching uh, by the minute for ACC football podcasts. I mean, that's a given, um, but help us out. Leave a review. Tell your friends. That's how uh, we get into more eardrums, which is our end goal here at Chowder and Grit. Yeah, you know, it. it uh, if, if you're into making me smile, leave us a review. And I'll, I'll smile all day at it, as long as it's good. And we, we want it to be five stars. If you have to leave four, I mean, you can, but we'd really prefer that five. And you can also send Cherry's Berries. Cherry's Berries are great, too. So that's us for this week. We will talk to you next week. Uh, again, we'll have the Boston College SB Nation blog. And uh, see you guys later.